Today is June 22nd, 2021, and our first story. A new report exposes Google having provided funding to controversial Wuhan-linked virus research, leading many people to ask, why is Google funding virus research? And wondering, is the censorship from Google because they are scared of what's about to be exposed or due to a conflict of interest? In our next story, Portland has put out a full page ad in the New York Times begging people to come and visit because they know the riots are really bad and ain't nobody want to go there. And in our next story, I am going to be specifically calling out Sam Cedar for his manipulation and his grifting in a controversy with Steven Crowder, where he bombed an interview Crowder was supposed to have with Ethan Klein. If you like this podcast, please leave a good review. Give us five stars. And if you really like the podcast, please share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. A new report has exposed Google providing funding for controversial virus research, sparking many to ask the question, why is Google funding virus research at all? For any reason, Google's a tech company. Why would they give money to an organization to do anything like this? According to the Daily Mail, they say revealed Google funded virus research carried out by Wuhan linked scientist Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance for over a decade. The financial ties, which were first reported by the National Pulse, are disclosed in various scientific studies dating back to at least 2010. What would Google's foundation or Google itself have to gain by researching viruses when they're a tech company? A massive one at that, but this just seems to strike me as very odd. Now, I can't give you the reason as to why Google wanted to fund this. Perhaps they can. Perhaps they'll issue a statement. What I can say is this is particularly damning considering the censorship that is currently ongoing as it pertains to Wuhan lab leak theory and the coronavirus. You may have heard that about four or so days ago, Brett Weinstein of the Dark Horse podcast, Intellectual Dark Web member, if that means anything, had a strike placed on his YouTube channel for talking about certain issues relating to COVID. Now, I can't talk too much about what he said because YouTube will take down this video as well, which is odd. This is an evolutionary biologist, a scientist who was having a conversation with another scientist. In fact, he was having con- he's, he's had conversations with the inventor of the mRNA vaccine. Because of the things he said, there have been numerous fact checks, claims made against his credibility. But the man is a scientist. I can only say that if you're criticizing an evolutionary biologist, then you're certainly criticizing science itself. Or maybe that's just what Anthony Fauci is saying about criticism about him. Which brings me to the more important question. While I can't answer for you why Google was funding this research, I can only tell you the reports say they did. I can certainly point out that while Google is censoring anybody who comes out and speaks negatively or entertains certain ideas about the virus, they'll get banned. Dr. Fauci has made numerous false statements throughout all of last year. And even Dr. Fauci himself has mentioned, yes, it's true. Many of the things he said were in fact wrong. But if you're criticizing him, you're criticizing science because science isn't always correct. And that's true. Science gets things wrong. And then we adapt. We do new experiments. And then we realize, hey, we got a lot of this wrong and we're correcting it now. And for that, I can say to Dr. Fauci, yes, he is 
correct when he says it is criticism of science to go after him in a certain respect. The issue is, while there are many things we get wrong when it comes to science, Google, of course, has given Fauci carte blanche. I can sit here and repeat everything Fauci said, and YouTube has no problem with it. What's his expertise? Has he conducted these experiments? No. But what happens when he says something that's not true? Yeah, I can say it. And then a month later, when he changes his mind, I can say that too. I've done numerous videos doing just that. But if Brett Weinstein, a scientist, also looking at the science, makes a claim. YouTube will remove him. I wonder if what we're dealing with here, based on this new information, is a very serious conflict of interest where Google seeks to benefit in some way based on their censorship by restricting certain information. Maybe it benefits the money Google is putting into these organizations. Maybe they don't want people to know about certain things. Hmm. I don't know. Let's do this. Let's go through what's being censored, censored, who's being censored, because it includes politicians. It includes people like Brett Weinstein, an actual scientist, but not others. Some politicians and some scientists get a free pass. The story from the Daily Mail says that Google is funding this research. Now, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member in order to get access to our exclusive members only area where you can watch exclusive content from the TimCast IRL podcast, but also you are funding new journalism, new research, new shows by becoming a member. You're helping us hire more journalists. We've recently hired Cassandra Fairbanks. We just brought on a paranormal and mysteries writer to expand into cultural issues, talk, like to generate culture and talk about things outside of politics because we want to build culture. We're also going to be hiring new writers, new graphic designers, and it's with your support as members we are able to do this. So again, TimCast.com, become a member. And don't forget, if you like this content, hit that like button. It's really important. Subscribe to this channel and share this video across social media to the best of your abilities. If you think it's important that people know Google was funding virus research in this way and why, sharing this video is important. It's also entirely possible YouTube gives me, it takes this video down, issues a warning because of the things I'm about to talk about. This is the challenge that we face every day in trying to discuss the truth. That's why TimCast.com exists. Let's go to the story. Daily Mail reports, Google-funded research carried out by Wuhan-linked scientist Peter Daszak and his charity for more than a decade has been revealed. The tech giant's charity arm, Google.org, has repeatedly provided financial backing for research and studies carried out by scandal-hit Daszak and his New York-based EcoHealth Alliance. The financial ties, which were first reported by the National Pulse, are disclosed in various scientific studies dating back to at least 2010. Dashik has faced intense scrutiny since it emerged that his charities, his charity previously worked with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the lab accused of being the source of the COVID-19 outbreak. I want to be very careful. We don't know for sure. Many people have argued that seems to be the most plausible. We would need a legit hardcore investigation into this. And it seems like we're not getting that for a variety of reasons. But suffice it to say, nothing's been confirmed. And I want to make sure we're not jumping to conclusions. But it does seem to be the most likely. EcoHealth Alliance just given $39 million, was given from the Pentagon between 2013 and 2020, has also provided funding to the Wuhan lab for its coronavirus research over the years. The British scientist has since been removed from the COVID-19 commission looking into the origins of the pandemic after it emerged that he initially tried to gag the Wuhan lab leak theory. It was not immediately clear how much funding Google has provided over the last decade to Dashek's EcoHealth Alliance. DailyMail.com has contacted Google for comment about its prior funding of Dashek's charity. And we can see here in this, this image, a 2010 study on 
bat flaviviruses that lists Dashik as a co-author credits Google.org for an unspecified amount of funding. Let's uh, slow down for a second. The U.S. government through Fauci provided funding to EcoHealth Alliance. EcoHealth Alliance provided funding to the Wuhan lab, which did gain-of-function research. Gain-of-function research is when they try to make viruses more potent so that they can then test a more potent version and see how to stop it. That's what they say. Others argue it is just dangerous and reckless (laughs) genetic engineering or virus engineering, and uh, we shouldn't be doing it. It is controversial to say the least. If we've argued, and many have, that the government's funding went to the EcoHealth Alliance, and that may have resulted in the lab leak, Google itself may be implicated in this. Could this be why Google is censoring information and prohibiting our ability to communicate about these ideas? I'm certainly dancing on the razor's edge by even suggesting it. YouTube might make some claims against me and try and shut this video down. So share it while you can. Yeah, I think Google may actually fear, and this is the information coming out now, but it explains a lot. Google.org is seen as a, a, a providing funding to this research. Was there a lab leak? We're not definitively saying there was. We don't know. But if there was, who's to blame for this research? Well, Google certainly provided some funding to this organization. Could Google be scared about being implicated? In my personal opinion, I think so. They go on to say in this photo, EcoHealth Alliance researchers authored a report on a 2018 study that noted it was made possible by Google.org funding. They say, the, study was also, the 2010 study was also funded by the National Institute of Health and the United States Agency for International Development uh, Development's Emerging Pandemic Threat Program. A study published in 2014 on henipavirus, henipavirus spillover into human populations also lists Dashik as a co-author. In the acknowledgement section of the study, it says, Metabiota, global virals role in this study was supported by Google.org, the Skoll Foundation. And in particular, the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID's funding was made possible by the generous support for, of the American people through the USAID Emerging Pandemic Threats Predict Program. Similarly, a 2015 paper on herpes lists Dashik and also credits Google.org for its support. More recently, EcoHealth Alliance researchers authored a report on a 2018 study that looked at perceptions associated with transmission of pathogens with pandemic potential in highly exposed human populations at the animal-human interface. The report noted it was made possible by Google.org's funding. Very interesting. They also mentioned a 2015 paper listing Dashik and Google's support. The revelation that Google funded Dashik's research has been slammed by former political advisor Steve Hilton as shocking and one of the biggest scandals of the century. Hilton claims Google and other big tech firms have been active in trying to silence the lab leak theory. It's honestly one of the biggest scandals for, I don't know, 100 years, Hilton told Fox News primetime on Monday. I, can, I can't think of a bigger one. It's a really shocking story. And it just adds to this increasingly big mountain of evidence that we have got a massive establishment cover-up going on because the people at the heart of this know what they did. People like Peter Daszak, people like Dr. Fauci himself, who, of course, initiated the work that Daszak then sent to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to make bat coronaviruses more airborne and more transmissible, and more infectious to the human respiratory system. A theory we now know as the most likely origin of the pandemic. They're covering it up because they know they've got a guilty conscience. Have you seen the price of gold lately? 
It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. I believe it's, it does seem to be the most likely theory. I believe that. I want to be very careful here, but I think that the picture being painted is clear. Google is censoring everything they can, and it's ridiculous the level of censorship. Sorry, Google. I'm putting this on your platform. Mm. But my private platform, saith the left, don't you think it's very important we know what's going on? Is Google shutting down these conversations out of fear? Take a look at this from the New York Post. Fauci doubles down on claim that attacks on him are actually criticizing science. Well, he makes an interesting point. Quote, it is essential as a scientist that you evolve your opinion and your recommendations based on the data as it evolves. The White House infectious disease expert told the podcast Sway that aired Monday. And that's the reason why I say people who then criticize me about that are actually criticizing science. He told Kara Swisher of how he was attacked when he shifted position on mask wearing in the pandemic. The people who are giving the ad homonyms are saying, ah, Fauci misled us. First, he said no masks. Then he said masks. Well, let me give you a flash. That's the way science works. You work with the data you have at the time. Fauci said in the interview, adding that the evidence and data are often changed. Okay, well, there's a lot of data going around right now, and it falls out of line with the mainstream narrative. You'll be banned. I can't even tell you what the data is. I cannot tell you what the data is because YouTube will ban me. Brett Weinstein, the Dark Horse podcast has been hit with a strike by YouTube. It prevents us from live streaming in the usual spot. They'll be surprised to discover that their censoring us has activated an army. We won't be intimidated or deterred. This means that Brett was given a warning before. His video was taken down. Brett refused to back down and again carried on his conversations. And now he's been had his video removed and was given a strike. I don't know that Brett Weinstein is correct. I don't know that Fauci is correct. I'm not going to repeat the claims made by Brett because I can tell you this. YouTube will absolutely delete this video. I don't know his claims are correct anyway. And I want to make sure I say this. Whatever the information you're getting on the internet, you don't want to get medical advice from people you don't know. You want to talk to your doctor. You want to get a second opinion and you want to be responsible for your own health. I genuinely believe that. I also do believe it's an important disclaimer to put up because I don't want people to get the wrong impression and then go and do something reckless. And I also don't want YouTube to ban this content. I genuinely believe your best bet is not to get medical advice from political figures, be it Fauci, Joe Rogan, or even Brett Weinstein. But I certainly think all of them should have the right to discuss their opinions. I do think it's probably pertinent that all of these individuals put the disclaimer up in their videos that, you know, please don't 
like but take this as medical advice. Talk to your doctor about what you think you should do or shouldn't do. But Brett does bring up important issues around censorship. He goes on to say that you can subscribe to his channel. He says that Twitter is not allowing the autocomplete for a certain hashtag. And then he says he's going to go live. Now, here's what's interesting. He says, hey, folks, weird news. Despite clear blue skies and no wind, our power has gone out. We will therefore not be doing a Dark Horse live stream at 1230 p.m. Pacific. If power is back on by 2 p.m., as predicted, we will revive the plan as early this afternoon. Well, you know, strange coincidence. I honestly, sometimes the power goes out. Our power was flicking the other day before it even rained, and then it rained later. So who knows? Censorship, however, is freaky. It's wrong. It's creepy. We must oppose it. Brett should be allowed to have all of his conversations. YouTube needs to stop freaking out and let people talk. Check out this story from the Washington Times. Senator Johnson blasts arrogant censorship after YouTube suspension for hydroxychloroquine video. I'm actually going to be a little bit critical about a lot of people, and, and I'll give a little criticism to, to uh, Brett Weinstein, though I will defer to the fact that he's an actual evolutionary biologist and I'm some guy on the internet with no medical expertise. That's kind of the point. I can't tell you that Brett is right or wrong. I can only say the censorship is wrong. I can tell you, I don't think you should, as I just stated, you don't, you don't get your, your, your medical advice from Senator Ron Johnson, from Stephen Colbert, from Fauci, or anyone of that matter. So when it comes to certain medications, YouTube has said that you cannot claim their effective treatments. I actually think they have a point. I really do. I don't agree with the point about censorship. But I believe it's fair to say that a lot of people are overhyping certain medications. There was a study recently on hydroxychloroquine that talked about uh, um, how it showed that it, it reduced symptoms or something to that effect. But you need to understand it said it was preliminary, not peer reviewed, and should not be used for clinical uh, treatments. I think a lot of people really want to come out and say Trump was right or, or whatever. I don't know about what Ron Johnson thinks or why he thinks it. I think the censorship is wrong, but I certainly think people need to chill out on jumping the gun and making claims because it was the MedRx IV study that came out about hydroxychloroquine that said it was not peer reviewed. And everyone jumps on it. All these stories start popping up. And I clicked it and I said, it's an interesting study. We should be allowed to discuss it. It says right at the top, do not use for clinical treatments or, or you know, it needed to be peer reviewed. I don't know where we go when it comes to science, right? You know, when you when you have science under under uh, the thumb of a political pressure at this point, I can tell you, though, you need to be careful about the left as much as you do uh, 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 the right, although I think the left tends to be a bit more duplicitous and the establishment as well. But sometimes people on the right, they're going to pull up these things and, and they're not going to look as deeply into it. Here's the story. Ron Johnson getting banned. Ron Johnson accused YouTube of censorship fraud after the Wisconsin Republican had his account on the platform suspended. This is from June 12th, by the way, for sharing video footage of him touting treatments of COVID-19. YouTube confirmed it removed the video for, of Mr. Johnson for violating its rules against medical misinformation and explained his account would therefore be restricted from uploading content for seven days. The offending footage originated from an online event that has been hosted by the Milwaukee Press, uh, Press Club on June 3rd. Mr. Johnson said during the event that he believed real blunders were made by the Trump and Biden administration for not robustly exploring the use of either uh, these, these other two other drugs, I'm being very careful, as potential treatments. Uh, YouTube confirmed it pulled down the video from the event that had been uploaded to Mr. Johnson's channel and said the senator's account would be suspended for a week under its longstanding three strikes policy. Uh, does that mean that they gave Johnson a, a warning? 
Here's the quote. We removed the video in accordance with our COVID-19 medical misinformation policies, which don't allow content that encourages people to use hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin to treat or prevent the virus, a YouTube spokesperson told the Washington Times. I'm going to stress it again. I don't agree with the censorship, but I don't think people should be encouraging anybody to take those treatments. I genuinely believe that. I really, really do I think you got to be careful about the political nature of this. You can see how YouTube is getting political on this one. And I think you definitely need to talk to a doctor for for several reasons. One, I think it's irresponsible for for people to encourage the use of something they don't know. This is why I keep saying when it comes to Bitcoin, I am not a financial advisor. You should not be taking actions based on my opinions when it comes to medical stuff or, 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 um, or financial stuff. And you shouldn't for anybody else. Brett Weinstein's a great guy. He's very smart and he shouldn't be censored, but he's not your doctor. I've been complaining about this nonstop and I'll, and I'll explain. They're doing these vaccines outside of 7-Eleven. I think vaccines are fantastic. Okay. I think a lot of the news around the negative, the, the, the adverse reactions are overhyped by a media desperately trying to scare you. I think people are allowed to talk about their fears and concerns and make medical decisions for themselves. I also think it's entirely possible YouTube could, ban, YouTube could ban me at any moment. But I am infuriated by the idea that you could show up to a 7-Eleven and there's a guy who doesn't know you and he would be like, sit down, I'm going to give you a vaccine. No, you need to go to your doctor. You need to go to your doctor and discuss with them your medical history and what makes sense. There was uh, 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 actually, you know what? Steven Crowder talked about this when he was mentioning that his wife was dealing with some issues due to their pregnancy. Uh, and because of that, she was unable to get the vaccine. They went, she, they went to their doctor. They asked him for advice. The doctor gave them advice. He then relayed that to the public. I think that is wholly responsible. And I think you should get a medical opinion from a doctor. So, th- so this, this is where the problem is. I do think everybody should have that disclaimer, as I've done a billion times, because I don't want to be, I don't, YouTube aside, I don't want to be sued or be responsible because someone ate fish food or something like that. But YouTube shouldn't be suspending or banning people. Under Section 230, they're not liable for that anyway. But I genuinely believe YouTube is scared because of what happened with Trump and that big story about the fish food that they're going to just ban everybody. Now, I've, I've heard many arguments that it's uh, political or it's, it's monetary, that there's money. I, I don't know about that. I can say outside of this, when it comes to general lab leak and discussions of COVID being censored, I wonder if there's some uh, fear of a conflict of interest from Google, which is all the more reason Google shouldn't be censoring anybody when it comes to this. Ron Johnson said YouTube's arrogant COVID censorship continues. How many lives will be lost as a result? How many lives could have been saved to the free exchange of medical ideas? The suppression of speech should concern every American. YouTube rules prohibit users from sharing misinformation about COVID-19, the highly infectious respiratory disease caused by the coronavirus, including content that poses a serious risk of egregious harm or contradicts the guidance of local or global health authorities. The U.S. National Institutes of Health and Food and Drug Administration have recommended against using hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin to treat COVID-19 respectively. I don't know what to tell you guys. I really, really don't. I'm not going to play any political games over the medical uh, medical advice. And I know a lot of people are probably going to take some political stance on that one way or another and probably be upset with me. But all I can really say is, dude, I don't know. I really don't. I'm not a doctor. I will never claim to be one. I can tell you politically, I don't like the censorship. YouTube has taken a political stand I am not a fan of. But 
I can only defer to uh, uh, the regulatory agencies who are not always correct, but I'm not an expert. I'm sorry. I've had people message me saying, Tim, you know, I don't trust my doctor or my doctor is dumb. And I'm like, bro, if you can't trust your doctor, I don't know what to tell you because I don't know who you can trust. You're going to go to a chiropractor or some like hippie dippy practitioner. I go to the doctor. The doctor says, here's the medicine. It's a word I've never heard of. I'll Google it and be like, best I can do is take it. That's me. It's up to you to be responsible for your health and not get it from YouTubers. And I just, I, it's, it's, this is a ridiculous world. Let, let, let me show you how ridiculous it is. From, from the Wall Street Journal, YouTube cancels the U.S. Senate. It censors testimony from physicians on early treatments for COVID-19 patients. This is where it gets creepy. They had a guy testifying in the Senate. You might not like what he had to say, but it's really weird they censored this. You got the story from Reason. Why did YouTube remove this Reason video? Our coverage of biohackers working on a DIY vaccine last year was solid reporting on an important subject. If YouTube insists on banning journalism like this, what's next? Everything. You know, as I stated, I think this, this, is, this, this video of all the videos I've ever done is the one that's closest. that's on the razor's edge to YouTube banning. First of all, I'm talking about all of these people who are being banned for certain ideas that YouTube doesn't allow you to say. I think I'm being very careful, and I, I, I will stress for the billionth time, I genuinely think you should be getting your medical opinion, medical advice from your doctors, not from me or from Joe Rogan or Fauci or Brett Weinstein. But I do think scientists should be allowed to have public conversations. This is what happens. In many circumstances, some stories are allowed and some stories aren't. But if Anthony Fauci is correct in his assessment about criticizing science, what if YouTube banned everything he said after his first opinion? Fauci came out early on and said, you don't need to be wearing masks. It might prevent a droplet or two. And he was saying that because at the time, this is, this is what Fauci said, they didn't realize asymptomatic individuals could spread COVID. When he later realized that and the science changed, he then advised people to wear masks because you don't know who is sick and you don't know if you are sick. That's a correct assessment. If you don't know who is sick, well, then you might be sick and you got to wear a mask. Maybe it's asymptomatic. The issue is that YouTube is deciding to censor some or none or others. And how do you have two different YouTube videos of Fauci saying two different things? And how do you track that reasonably? I understand there's a rock and a hard place for big tech companies. I just don't trust them. If Fauci came out and made a video and he gives, he gives bad advice, and he did, YouTube leaves it up. But if Reason does a video from a year ago, they take it down. It doesn't make any sense. There's got to be some accountability here. Again, the first story, Google providing funding to this virus research through EcoHealth Alliance. If this video gets removed, that's why. Uh, in my opinion. And <laughs> I don't know. But uh, uh, there's, certain, there's a certain line that I won't, I, won't, I won't cross. YouTube routinely says, don't talk about this, don't talk about that. Sometimes for good reason and sometimes for bad reason. There are certain things I won't talk about because I don't think it's relevant. There are certain names I can't say. I don't think it's relevant to any modern news at this point, so I won't say them. But it's true. YouTube has outright removed videos without warning for saying a name. I don't think it matters that I say that name in certain circumstances when I can tell you the story you need to know. And I think, here's the way I put it, if I have a hundred things to say, 
I will not risk the 99 things I'm going to say to you that are important over one thing I can say somewhere else and still get across. That's why it's very difficult to navigate the space and why sometimes YouTube pressure works. But there's a line. Stories like this about Google providing funding must be told and must be shared far and wide. And if the video gets taken down, there's nothing I can do about it. It has to be said. It's major breaking news. One of the biggest stories and biggest scandals of our generation or the past several generations. It must be known because YouTube is censoring everybody. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com code pool offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply so i know that i run the risk of getting censored simply by bringing this up i have seen fact checking organizations lie i can't bring up what they were lying about because if i were to debunk them with proof youtube would delete the video Here's what we're doing about it. For one, as I mentioned, there's a line that I will not cross. If YouTube says you can't say this, I'll be like, I'm not I'm not going to go that far. Like there are some things I'll say, go to TimCast.com. We're putting up information there and we'll have news reporting from that website. That's all going to be certified, double fact checked, etc. And we're going to be sound, reasonable and ethical. And we're going to have conversations that YouTube doesn't allow at TimCast.com. As for YouTube itself, there's a certain point where it has to be called out. And you need to recognize that as someone who uses YouTube, this is what's happening. So here's what I can say. Go to TimCast.com. If there's anything that we're restricted from saying, it will appear there. And I'll mention this. Tonight at 8 p.m., if you're watching this before that time, because I know a lot of people will watch this the day after, we're going to be hosting Steve Bannon at YouTube.com slash TimCastIRL. It'll be 8 p.m. It'll be live. And we'll talk about a lot of things. I assure you, there are things YouTube will not, will not allow us to be talking about. Now, YouTube has told me there are no issues with interviewing the likes of Alex Jones or Steve Bannon or other individuals who have been banned from YouTube, so long as we don't break their rules. The issue, when it comes to people like Bannon and Jones, they apply the rules very differently. As we saw with Alex Jones, our first podcast episode interview with Jones got removed. It was hilarious. It was a lot of fun. Everybody was laughing. YouTube removed it for a violation of their community guidelines and issued a warning. I think the warning was was BS and it was based on a metaphor. It was, it was a metaphorical statement made by Jones. It was meant to be tongue in cheek and in jest. They didn't care. They said, nope, nope, nope. You broke the rules by saying it. But there are many people who say a lot of things worse, especially on the left, and they get away with it. YouTube doesn't take them down. And therein lies the real challenge that we have with being on YouTube. You know when you're a YouTuber, that there are certain lines you do not cross. 
Take a look at uh, a lot of the criticism pointed at Ethan Klein of H3H3. Right now, there's a big beef with him and Steven Crowder. One of the biggest criticisms of him is that he used to be extremely edgy. He used to say slurs. And then all of a sudden, one day, he started being more lefty and just pushing the establishment narrative. This is true for many individuals, especially some anti-SJW, anti-establishment, anti-woke personalities who used to be considered, you know, well, they used to be considered on the right or moderate, whatever. Their opinions changed the moment they, the moment they faced a threat. They didn't want to lose their income. They didn't want to lose their jobs. Yeah, these people are a very serious problem for us in trying to solve society's uh, problems and make the world a better place. People like Ethan Klein of H3H3 can be as edgy as they can, generate a massive following, and then once they feel the heat, they change their tune and start backing the other side. Well, it's the safest place to be. There are some political commentators who are anti-establishment, anti-SJW, who denounced their own friends because... Uh, Perhaps they were afraid of getting canceled. These people have made the wrong choice, in my opinion. They're on the wrong side of history. They think bending the knee to authoritarianism is the path towards success. But I assure you, history has, has shown us those that do tend to lose. Not always. The U.S. certainly has its authoritarian streaks, especially during wars. But the people who bet against freedom tend to be the losers, at least in the long run, because freedom does win out. Over time, sometimes authoritarianism wins. In the Soviet Union, for instance, 100 years of just darkness, and it was awful. And in the end, the freedom still ends up winning. But it, I wouldn't say that the former Soviet states are doing all that well in terms of freedom and liberty. But at least in the United States, we can see that liberty tends to win. That may not be true forever. And I hope that liberty does end up winning out. But it could be that the authoritarians take the ground. That YouTube continually silences any voice of opposition or dissent, as they've been doing. And then we can only hope that our independent websites are strong enough to be that underground network, a, a place for people to come and, uh, and speak and share their ideas. But even those uh, websites can get removed. Even private websites can get banned, and they've, they have been. Google has done very seriously egregious things, seizing DNS on some websites, so it's been reported. And that's the nightmare we live in. YouTube allows these conversations to happen on their massive platform, and they will not hesitate to shut me down, Steven Crowder, or anybody who would challenge that narrative. I think Crowder already has two strikes for medical misinformation. In one instance, he said he was simply citing the CDC. So I'm not a fan of political pundits telling people what they should or shouldn't do or deciding to, you know, certain things are right or wrong. I don't know who's right or wrong in the whole medical debate, and I think it's a silly thing to have publicly. Uh, in the sense of like arguing people should be doing something. I do think the, the debate over the studies should happen. I do think that Brett Weinstein should be allowed to have his conversations. But I certainly think you should, you should always check with your doctor. I don't think anybody should be assuming the responsibility of giving advice over the internet. The same is true for when they try to diagnose Donald Trump or when they try and diagnose Joe Biden. I certainly think we're allowed to criticize, insult, or give our opinions on those matters. But it's tough. It's tough, man. I don't have all the answers. So I'll end by saying again, get your advice from a medical professional, be it your doctor, you know, a second opinion or otherwise. But I'm worried here, man. And I'm mostly concerned about Google providing this funding and whether or not this has all just been one big conflict of interest that Google is scared to take responsibility for. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCastIRL. We will be hosting Steve Bannon for a very interesting discussion. And then we'll have a bonus segment on the TimCast.com website for all the things YouTube doesn't allow. Thanks for hanging out. 
and we'll see you all there. It was not even like a week ago that the entire riot squad for the Portland Police Bureau resigned in protest. The city is not doing well. There are uh, riots and fights in the street. And Portland, of course, is desperate to generate tourism revenue. So here we get one of the weirdest and stupidest stories I've ever seen. Anything can happen. We like it that way. Portland tourism bosses are slammed for taking out full page ad in the New York Times, admitting the riot hit city has an edge, but claiming locals still love it. Perhaps. I hear a lot from many leftists who are like, the riots are basically just in like two square blocks of the city, like everything's fine. And then I hear from people who had work or business in the city and are like, I can't work here anymore. It's insane. I don't want to be here. More importantly, too, that line is a lie. Sure, the riots, for the most part, were centered around the federal courthouse, but there were numerous instances where the rioters went to residential neighborhoods. In one instance, they went to a guy's house because he had an American flag. They threatened to burn his house down unless he removed it. You mean to tell me the people there are happy with what's happening? No, it's an exodus. It's been an exodus for some time. And that's why Portland is desperate to get people to live there. But you have to be a special kind of stupid to move to a place experiencing what Portland is experiencing. Let me just uh, point something point something out. Now, many of you may not be homeowners, okay? But I'll tell you, if you own a home in an area where they riot all the time, your property value goes down. Now, of course, for a lot of reasons, property values weirdly are going up, and it's probably more so due to big investment firms like BlackRock and other companies buying up all these properties around the country at massive markups, you know, 20 to 50% over market. But that means you probably couldn't move there to buy a property if you wanted to. And if you did want to move there, you'd be moving into an area which would probably cause you damage to your career, to your life, to your family. It's not even about whether or not you actually think Antifa is going to show up to your house and throw a brick to the window. It's about the anxiety people feel and time less spent in the city or working towards improving it. It's a cascade effect, right? So something we saw in Detroit that uh, I'll, I'll try and keep it simple and then we'll read the story. You've got a water system. Let's say the entire water system of Detroit costs $1 million per month to operate. It's probably a lot more than that. I don't know. And you got a million people. That means every month you got to pay a dollar. That's no big deal. But then because of uh, the economic crash, because of the auto industry failure, half the people end up moving out over the span of 10 years. That means over the span of 10 years, people's water costs are doubling. Now it's $2 per month. For a lot of people that can't afford that, that means they're going to end up leaving. It's actually much more than that. I think it's in the hundreds of dollars per month. But you get my point. You can't change the cost of operating that water system. I actually spoke with some uh, advocates and, and uh, homeless project groups in Detroit who explained this. It's one of the biggest problems they face, that the, the cost of supplying water to the city is going higher and higher as people keep leaving. It's a cascade effect. Now, Portland's experiencing something different. Portland's cascade effect is going to be more like as more riots rip to the city, cops are slowly going to start resigning or protesting. Crime is skyrocketing. The more crime goes up, the more property value goes down. The less people have a chance to come in or go, the city will start to crumble. Maybe they can save it. It's not necessarily a, a death blow for the city, but you can see this is truly, truly desperation. Taking out an ad in the New York Times 
who are you trying to attract to your city? And why are you, do you want tourists to come like to buy the, the, the voodoo donuts or whatever they're called? Pretty good, by the way. I think it's called voodoo donuts or something like that. They got good hot sauce. I think Portland's pretty cool in a lot of ways, but uh, I wouldn't want to go there right now. They've got this this great hot sauce called Secret Aardvark. Seriously, some of the best hot sauce I've ever had. No joke. Not sponsored or anything by these guys. I just was there. Put it on a burger. Wow. Sweet, spicy, amazing. And that bums me out. It bums me out that you got these really cool things up in Portland, but everyone's insane. And they even admitted in this ad, in this ad let me read. Daily Mail says, Travel Portland, a nonprofit which oversees the Oregon City's tourism marketing, referenced reports of far left violence in the city in the ad. It admits that much of what has been said about Portland, whose 50 strong riot squad resigned last week, was true. And that the city, which endures nightly riots, has an edge. You've heard a lot about us lately. It's been a while since you've heard from us. Some of what you've heard about Portland is true. Some is not. What's most important is that we're true to ourselves. There's a river that cuts through the middle of our town. It divides. You know, what? I'll just jump to the advert. They say there's a river that cuts through the middle of our town. It divides east and west, but it's bridged over and over again, 12 times to be specific. And that's a kind of great metaphor for this city. No, it isn't. If all of those bridges just got transported into outer space by aliens and there were no more bridges, that would probably be a better explanation for what Portland is. The political violence is not going to be mended anytime soon. And there's no bridge from left to right. They say, we're a place of dualities that are never polarities. Really? Two sides to the same coin that keeps landing right on its edge. Anything can happen. We like it this way. I don't. (laughs) I don't want to live in an area where people are punching each other in the streets every weekend. That's insane. Who does? Maybe they're just lying. It's like a get what go broke. They try and make these movies and these games lying to themselves, thinking this is what sells. I'll give you a really, really great example of get well, go broke. I worked for a company called Fusion. You probably know about it if you watched a bunch of my videos. They wanted to be edgy like Vice. They wanted to do on the ground reporting. They had a show called Drug Wars and they were like tracking the cartels. It was their highest rated show. And one day they decided we're going to get woke. We're going to make woke content. That's what people are going to want. And then the company went out of business. (laughs) They lost like $300 million or some insane number because nobody wanted this. You were lying to yourselves. But the marketing people came in and said, tell people this is what we're about and what we're doing. Do you think it's going to work with Portland? Hey, we know that we have ongoing riots and people are beating each other in the streets like literally four days ago. But people love it that way. Who are you trying to convince? You think regular people want to live in an area where people are beating each other with baseball bats and crowbars? Sorry, I don't think so. This is the kind of place where new ideas are welcome. No, it isn't. Antifa will throw a brick through your window if if your ideas deviate. Whether they're creative, cutting edge, or curious at first glance, you can speak up here. You can be proud of you, you. You can be yourself here. No, you can't. You can be aligned with Antifa. But even if you're slightly to the right, a conservative, they will chase you down the street, shove you to the ground and full force punt your head because they did it to a guy and they scream. But he's a fascist. But they're not the regular people. You have to be a special kind of stupid to think that this is legitimate. And I'll tell you this right now. If you live in Portland and you agree with even half of what I'm saying, well, you sh- I, I, you're going to have to Explain to me why you would still be living there. Now I know, I know. Some people can't sell their houses. Some people are stuck because of work. But for me, you know, I lived in Chicago. And people are like, oh, Tim, you're, you're so lucky and successful. And you're in a position to do these things. Bro, I lived in Chicago 
I had no money and I got on a ride share to California and was walking around with a backpack. I don't know what you expect of this grand uh, adventure they call life. But if you think it's always going to be in the comfort of an air conditioned, nice suburban home or apartment in a major city, well, you're not really living. Life is being out in the middle of nowhere and having hardship. Man, that's the other crazy thing, too. I, I like challenge. I like hardship. I like skating. You know, there's something I'm scared to do. And then when I overcome my fear and do it, it feels great. When I fall down, it feels great to get back up and try again. That challenge makes life worth living. But there are people who don't want it. And there are people who are in such desperate need of a fight, they make one up. Bro, life is full of challenges. You just go learn how to camp and do some survival stuff and, you know, just regular earth things, you know? Instead, you get these weird hybrid zealots. You get these leftists who want to live in big cities and have all their luxuries, but are desperate for some kind of fight. So they go around burning things down and beating people with crowbars. They go on to say, we have some of the loudest voices on the West Coast. And yes, passion pushes the volume all the way up. We've always been like this. We wouldn't have it any other way. We have faith in the future. We're building it every day. The only way we know how by being Portland. Come and see for yourself. Love, Portland. No, I've been there. I've seen it for myself. As I mentioned, good burgers, good hot sauce. They cut down a lot of trees, or at least they used to. And a bunch of insane people. It's a scary thing being there. I'm not, I'm not kidding. You, when, when you see, let, let me, actually, let me, let me pull this up from Pamplin Media. Riot declared as Proud Boys Antifa brawl in Portland suburb. Oregon City police eventually separated the two groups after skirmishes broke out at Clackamas Park on Friday, June 18th. This is like four days ago. People were beating each other. This is this is Portland Tribune. They're fighting each other. They're spraying each other. They're beating each other. Bro, that's not a fun place to be. You're sitting in the park having a glass of wine with your special someone. You got a little picnic table. Maybe it's like, you know, a, a red a red blanket with white polka dots and you got little sandwiches. And then all of a sudden people are screaming and beating each other and spraying each other. And then you're like, run. What a place to live. I'm in Portland during the height of a lot of this conflict. And for me, it's, it's especially because I know people recognize me. It's it's I'm, and it's been this way for like a, a 10 years for me almost. I don't know what someone's going to say, what they're going to do, what they're going to think. And I know people are insane. So for me, okay, special case, I don't want to be there. As for everyone else, you could be walking down the street with a Triumph shirt. You ever see this? There was a guy, he was wearing a Triumph shirt. This wasn't in Portland. I don't know where this was, but someone uh, thought it said Trump. This may have been in Oakland or something and beat him up because they thought Triumph said Trump. They didn't pay attention. There are stories about people wearing red hats that are like making fun of Trump. They get attacked. And someone could see you. Think about it this way. In Chicago, a guy was flying the Puerto Rican flag. He got executed. And some Democrat political action committee guy tweeted that it was a white guy with a Confederate flag. And so it was fine. Think about that. You could be walking down the street in Portland and then someone will attack you. You know why you don't want to live in these places? First of all, right now, screw the Portland Tourism Board. Here, do me a favor. First, Become a member at TimCast.com. Help support our journalism. We got new reporters joining. Um, hopefully, we'll have like five by the next week. And we're going to have a full fun- functioning newsroom just for the launch of the new website just before. And then we're going we're gonna to expand the newsroom quite significantly. The more people who sign up, the more journalists we're going to hire. And we're going to have them on the ground. We're going to have them undercover. We're going to ha- have them investigating. But I'll tell you this. Share this video. Let's counter the lies 
or the failed and pathetic attempts of that tourism board. They want to take out a massive ad in the New York Times. By all means, go ahead and do it. We're going to tell people what's really going on in Portland. Look at this. Fox News. Portland Police Union rails against defund police commissioner after riot squad resignations. Joe Ann Hardesty endorses violence instead of defending our communities, communities and the business owners, the union says. They say, the head of the police union in Portland shot back against new criticism from city commissioner Joanne Hardesty, who has spearheaded the local defund police movement over the recent resignation of all 50 members of the police riot squad, arguing her self-serving agenda endorses violence instead of defending our communities and the business owners whose livelihoods were destroyed by the riots. Portland Police Association Executive Director Daryl Turner argued in a statement issued Friday that roving gangs of black clad rioters do not speak for the hundreds of thousands of residents and business owners of Portland who want a safe and clean city. Yet local politicians supported them. These rioters bent on destruction, hijacked social and racist justice. Oh, shut up. Hijacked social and racial justice movements, he continued before calling out Hardesty directly. These rioters burned and looted our city, yet local politicians supported them. They didn't hijack anything. It was theirs from the beginning. These people have been around long before Black Lives Matter, and they will be around long after, and they're the ones flying those flags. They didn't hijack it. They use it as a shield. And you see, this is the problem. Even when you get the cops angry and challenging this, saying it's wrong, the rioters are bad, even when you get that, they still say, but the extremists and insurrectionists have hijacked the movement. As if this wasn't their goal from the get-go. As if prominent personalities in Black Lives Matter weren't advocating for Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. Well, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's Black Lives Matter individuals who are rioting. It's as if the organizers weren't the ones going out there and saying, burn it all down, or the ones saying, you must respect their diversity of tactics. No, it wasn't hijacked. And you know what else I'll say about these cops? Please, thank you. Speak up. Y'all resigned from the riot squad. So what? So what? You didn't quit the department. You just been like, fine, I won't go on a riot but I still want money from you and I'll still prop up your system. To a certain degree, I can respect blue flu and, and strikes and not going on calls and saying, I'll take your money and do nothing. It's, it's your problem. But I think the most powerful thing that could happen because the regular people of the city will not step up and do anything for themselves because people have become too complacent and lazy. The police must resign firm, legit, quit. They won't do it though. Why? These cops in places like Portland, they will, they will hide behind this idea that they care about you. 
You know, I get people saying say this to me all the time. They're like, Tim, the police want to be the heroes. They're not going to quit their job in the face of adversity, even with Antifa at their back, because they know they're doing the right thing. No, maybe some. I don't buy it. Regular people will not take responsibility for themselves because these cops sit around and take responsibility for the most part for them. The cops are not getting support. And now what? Now they're not going to respond to 911 calls. That's right. That's what's been happening in many different places. North Carolina specifically, there's a story about it. The cops don't answer calls. I've spoken with some cops in a bunch of different cities who have said the same thing. We just don't respond to calls. Okay, good. You know, I said, don't go to these places. There's, There's two things here. Don't go to certain neighborhoods that hate you that I get. More importantly, however, if you are choosing to stay as an officer in a corrupt city with corrupt DAs and corrupt, a corrupt justice system and a corrupt mayor and a commissioner, and you're like, I just won't go on calls. What you're really saying is, I'm not going to do the work. I'm not going to help anybody. I'm going to prop the system up and I'm going to take their money. Because if every one of these cops right now at the exact same moment quit, it would be the most insane story in the country. It would be every person in Portland at a meeting banging on the table. But Americans are too self-serving and self-interested, unfortunately. They're not willing to say no. They're not willing to say, I quit. I will not work for this. They're not willing to uh, uh, strike. There's legal ramifications to a literal strike. I mean, strike in the sense of everyone being like, we're out, bye, we quit. What do you think the residents of Portland would do if every single cop announced right now they were leaving the department effective immediately? They would run to town hall screaming at the top of their lungs. We saw it in Minnesota when some, when, when like I think only a couple hundred uh, cops resigned. They started screaming at the city council and then all of a sudden these woke defund the police people started advocating for funding the police. Now I get it. People say, Tim, why don't you quit YouTube? Blah, blah, blah. There's, there, there's a big difference. I'm sorry. YouTube engages in censorship. It's true. I, I'll put it this way. There are some cops that are actually still trying to do the right thing. I respect that, right? But there's a certain point when one town or one city is experiencing this problem and it's corrupt beyond all recognition. You're not serving anybody if you're not answering calls and you're not, you know, you're resigning from the riot squad, but you're still taking their money and you're staying there. Now, a lot of these cops, I will say, if you're planning your exodus and you are making that move, I can respect that. I'm not expecting every cop to just jump out through the window and land on the ground with no opportunity and no chance to feed their families. No, I'm saying y'all should be preparing to move out of the city. You should be looking for other jobs. South Dakota is looking to take people on. And that's the point. I don't expect you to walk outside all at once and say, now we have no jobs and we're unemployed. For me, we're building TimCast.com. And I do not expect YouTube to last forever. That's the point. So you tell me I shouldn't be on YouTube or whatever. It's like, yeah, we're leveraging the platforms and making our way off of them. I am trying to make TimCast.com the main hub where we're going to do everything and we're going to build that up over time. It's going to be a bridge for people who come into YouTube to go somewhere else. Now, Portland's not the same thing, but there are similarities. So I can respect if you'd like to criticize me saying it's wrong. Fine. I'm, I'm, I'm open to hearing that. You can comment. But what I'm saying is cops in places like Minnesota and Portland should right now be calling other jurisdictions and moving. Minnesota, Minnesota especially, y'all should get out of that state. Oregon, move to the east and join those communities that want to secede into Idaho. If you're a cop in one of these cities, start looking for new work. That's exactly what I've been doing with TimCast.com. It's new work. I know I can't do YouTube forever. I know they're corrupt. I know it's crooked. I know all these platforms are. I stopped tweeting seriously a long time ago. Maybe I shouldn't even tweet whatever, but I don't know. It's fun to post pictures of hairless rabbits and then see people freak out. 
But the point is, start making the moves. We don't have to do it abruptly and overnight, although that would be effective in a lot of ways. If it's not going to happen and it can't be organized, make your exodus. So it would be great if every single YouTuber right now who was upset with the system just abruptly left. It, it's, it's just too big of a system. It's too hard to pull off. If you're a department of 50 members who just all resigned from the right squad, that is great. I think they should, they should, they should quit. Maybe they're already planning to. So again, I'll, I'll respect that. Resigning from the right squad was a powerful move because they all did it together. And that will have an impact. We'll see what happens with the next riots. Of course, there have been. We'll see who deals with it. But I think everybody needs to stand up and start doing something. If you work for any company and they're getting woke, start finding new work. And that's it. Let these companies get woke and go broke. Don't give them your talent. Don't give them your time. If Coca-Cola wants to do stupid white, white, white wokeness training, you need to file complaints against this. It is racist to tell people that certain races have inherent privileges or benefits or whatever. That is racism. Literally in the definition, file a complaint about it. The best I can say is it's not going to be easy. And Portland is a psychopathic uh, jurisdiction, but you know, I can't necessarily blame them. They know their city's broken and they're doing everything in their power to, to, to make money. But think about how twisted it is that you would know your city is crooked and broken and you're trying to trick people into coming there. Of course, you'll hear from the leftists saying everything's fine. Yeah, everything's fine if you're walking around the city with the, uh, the Marxist fist, the red salute uh, on, your, on your vest or chest or tattooed to your neck. Yeah, Antifa will leave you alone. But if you're wearing a polo, this happened to a guy, they'll beat you up. That's the place you want to trick people into coming into. That's crooked and evil. They're trying to convince you it's a fun place to be. No, it isn't. Don't go there. I want to counter that ad with the truth that the city is in dire straits and has been for some time, and it is so horribly mismanaged by pathetic, spineless losers, it is getting worse by the minute. No propaganda effort is going to, is going to convince people that this, that's, the, that's the right place to be, but they'll try. So we can counter those lies and make sure that people realize this city sucks. There used to be a lot of great things about it. There's some good things about it, but it's be, being run by insane people for insane reasons, and no one's doing anything to challenge it. I mean, granted, the Proud Boys are fighting with Antifa, but the city just, they just keep voting for these same people. So it's the city, that, it's the city they deserve, and they shouldn't uh, put out these ads. You know, it's like they say, misery loves company. And that's what they want. They want you to go there and suffer too, because they want your money. Don't give it to them. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. How do we solve very serious problems in our society and in the world? Well, we talk about it. We research these issues. We have debates and conversations. We vote for politicians. We enact governmental systems. They're all pretty far from perfect and things don't usually work out all that well, but we seem to get by, or at least we have gotten by pretty well in, uh, in human history. There have been some pretty bad moments, some very serious wars and conflicts, and it seems like things are really heating up today. That we're in some kind of culture war, cold civil war, call it whatever you want, but people have actually lost their lives here. The media, of course, clearly plays to one side. I will tell you this, whatever the solutions may be, there are people who are actively seeking to exploit and make money and manipulate egotists, grifters, call them whatever you want. I don't care for drama. I can't stand personal level drama content. And so it's hard to know where that line begins and where it ends. The story, of course, without uh, waiting too long, is about Sam Cedar who is a left political commentator ambushing Steven Crowder. 
Crowder had agreed to do a discussion slash debate with Ethan Klein of the H3H3 podcast. And Ethan, of course, is a drama pop culture personality. I, I don't think anyone should have expected him to actually do a political debate. He instead brought in Sam Cedar. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this, but uh, I, I will just point out Ethan and the content he makes is drama pop culture, like I said. And when he weighs into political spaces, it, it's actually very damaging to our discourse. Not saying that he's not allowed to. I'm not saying that uh, he should stop. I'm just saying it does cause damage. Same is true for me or anybody else. However, there's political ideology and research behind the things that I say, the things Stephen Crowder says, and even the things Sam Cedar says. However, I believe for the most part, Sam Cedar is just a political drama grifter. I don't think he's actually a genuine personality. I think he's a liar and a manipulator. And I do think he's a coward whose goal is to profit off of exploiting drama in the political space. He's not someone who's addressing high level issues. He's not someone who's espousing thought provoking conversations. He is somebody who just makes low tier drama click content where he complains about Dave Rubin and demands people debate him. It's the lowest tier of the lowest tier. So I'll tell you, it's very difficult in deciding to do a segment like this, but I think we need to, we need to talk about this problem as a whole. And I'll use Sam Cedar as an example and mention, yeah, I'm biased in this one. I, I take personal offense to the things Sam Cedar has said and done, even though this may come as a surprise to many of you. Sam Cedar was the first person in media to ever shout me out during Occupy Wall Street. That's right. On his uh, on his now uh, same show he's doing now. He was the first person. But I think for the most part, after uh, witnessing the work he's done, the things he said, what we have here is a perfect example of those who would watch the system burn if only they could get a small piece of the pie. I don't care for that. I don't want to be involved in that. And that's why uh, I started TimCast.com. And it's why I moved somewhat away from YouTube and dramatically reduced the amount of work and content I was doing because I don't want to be involved in that. And maybe I contributed a lot to uh, the conflict and the culture war and the bombastic uh, personality or or whatever um, circumstances. But I don't want to be involved in that. I want to do different things. We're hiring a paranormal researcher uh, uh, and uh, other culture writers. And we're going to do tech and gaming. And uh, we want to build culture and be inspirational and not so negative and complain all the time. But I'll tell you this. We're going to talk about Steven Crowder, and I'm going to break down for you everything that's going on and why I think Crowder is somewhat wrong here, but still more so right. And this, I'll put it this way. Everybody looks bad here, but Crowder actually looks the least bad. And uh, I don't think he's coming out looking good in this one, especially among the left. And I think I think Crowder was justified in, in having the debate with Ethan Klein. Long story short, people are saying, why bother debating a pop culture nobody who doesn't know anything about this? It's low-hanging fruit. Well, Ethan Klein had targeted Crowder and, and made comments about him. So, of course, a conversation is warranted. Ethan, however, doesn't have the capabilities, but also being a master of YouTube drama, pulled in somebody he knew was reviled by many people because it would have this, uh, it would have this uh, reaction. So I'll, I'll read for this story. I'm going to show you some private DMs. And I want to say this. I don't care for, I guess you'd call it punching down. It's not how I describe, I like describing things. It's like a lefty way to describe things, punching up and punching down. What I view it as, is there a problem that's seriously impacting our society and community and doesn't need to be talked about? And the answer is yes. The problem I see here is Sam Cedar is the least deserving of attention because he is a liar and a coward who seeks to enrich himself, but he's lacking the talent to actually do it. Midwit right? He's smart enough to simulate success. And he's got a million subscribers, you know, good for him. 
But uh, he's in desperate uh, in his desperation to grow and become relevant. All he does is he makes videos where he does, he does political commentary videos, but he makes so much of the why won't Dave Rubin debate me? Why won't Joe Rogan debate me? Why won't Steven Crowder debate me? Blah, 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 blah. I made a video a few years ago. You may know the story. Joe Rogan canceled on me twice a decade ago or so. And I made a story. I made a video. I did a live stream talking about why I was upset about it. But I said this, look, Joe owes me no favors. He doesn't need to have me on his show. I, there's no obligation for him to. And if he canceled on me, well, you know, that's just something I got to deal with. The second time he canceled on me was pretty brutal, but uh, I still accept that he is under no obligation to host me and give me anything or do me any favors. Anyway, I digress. Sam's the opposite. Sam intrudes on this debate between Crowder and Ethan because all he cares about is himself. And without further ado, let me get into the story because you're probably saying, yeah, yeah, Tim, show us what's happening. I'm going to show you private DMs and I'm going to go over the story and explain things. Here's the Newsweek article. Sam Cedar ambushes Stephen Crowder on YouTube show Sparks Meltdown. I don't know the meltdown was was from. I watched both versions and it was just two groups yelling. It was dumb. And I think Ethan Klein is in the wrong on this one. Uh, I'll explain. Let's read. Stephen Crowder is being mocked online after he had a meltdown when he was tricked into debating Sam Cedar in the latest episode of the H3 podcast with Ethan Klein. Well, this is obviously left framed because if you go on Twitter, you can actually see people mocking Ethan Klein for being, look, if you're going to try and wade into politics, but you're really bad at it, you don't get to pull in someone else to, to take the fall for you. Ethan, that was uh, masterfully done, by the way, because I know he doesn't care about politics. He's masterfully done. And, and, and with all due respect, absolutely. Ethan's always been a YouTube, you know, um, I would call it like the MTV style of YouTube where it's like general interest, pop culture, that kind of stuff. And he, he masterfully played uh, Crowder to get a bunch of views. Now, for those of us in the political space and the political initi- uh, who are pl- politically initiated, of course, the left is saying, haha, you go, Ethan. And the right is saying, oh, no, Ethan, you're bad. I think it's very obvious that if we're trying to have really serious discussions about the CDC and you want to exploit that for personal gain, I'm going to call you a bad person. I'm going to say that's bad. Don't occupy Wall Street. Uh, what's that woman's name? Samantha B came down and was butting into serious political discussions between activists, and that really pissed me off. Take your stupid garbage games somewhere else and get out of my face. Ethan, you want to come into the political space and burn it all down around you? Okay, fine. I can commend you for your talent and ability in doing so, and then I will say you're a bad person. And that's just a fact. Anyway, they say conservative political commentator was left panicking. I, I don't think he was. When Klein added a surprise guest to the podcast who appeared, who happened to be none other than progressive political commentator Sam Cedar, who Crowder has avoided debating in the past. You see how they do this? It's just not true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys in on a secret. Well, I can't name names, but I can tell you this. Sam Cedar's blacklisted by a lot of podcast networks. I'm not, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. This is not a joke. I am not saying this because I have personal issue with Sam Cedar. But if, uh, if you believe that to be the case, by all means, you don't have to believe me. But yes, there are many large podcasts that uh, have outright said they will never work with him and has nothing to do with being afraid to debate him. I'll give you an example. In uh, my show, for instance, Simcast IRL, we, we've had Vosh, Destiny uh, come on the show. These are very prominent leftists. We are currently in the process of booking a man named Matt Binder, who I believe is actually friends with Sam Cedar, as well as a friend of mine who's a leftist, uh, Brett Lengel, who's uh, the, uh, uh, the creator of the, the Snow White Zombie Apocalypse uh, comic book. 
We absolutely love to have left personalities on because it's very obvious. It's it's the crossfire. It's the debate. It's the real hot conversation. People love it. The ratings are great. The money is good. If I could, I'd do it all day. But the left doesn't want to do it. They tell me, they say, Tim's a coward. He won't actually have them on. We, had, we, we pay all everyone's costs to come out. Do this. Go to my Instagram, Timcast, and I just put up a video showing how the setup of our studio is. We are not set up in any way that any one of our other friends on the show, like Ian or sometimes Luke or Lydia, could interact with someone over Skype. We don't want to. We don't do it. I have said this to many of these leftists. You're under no obligation to come on the show. I get it. I don't want to drag or cause any beef. Would love to have you. And they play dirty games. So no, I'm not going to read this article. It's, it's very clearly left biased. Uh, a Crowder, when, he, when he's on the interview with, H, which, with, with Ethan Klein, says, oh no, I, I expected this. And it's true. Apparently, according to Sam and uh, uh, Ethan, when Sam Cedar ended his live show, Crowder canceled an interview or something like that, showing that Crowder knew Ethan was going to try and pull in Sam Cedar. Sam Cedar does not generate a lot of traffic. All right. Let me show you. Let me show you this. First, we have Phil that remains. Uh, you, uh, Labonte. Phil Labonte, you may recognize him. We've had a, well, you may recognize him because he's a very famous uh, musician, but we've had him on the IRL podcast. He's had lots of people talking about the Crowder H3, H3, Sam Cedar thing. I just don't see how anyone in that looks good. Cedar and H3, H3 look dishonest and Crowder does look like he skipped out. They can come up with all the reasons they like, but they all look bad. I, I disagree. Um, I mostly agree they look bad, but Crowder was right to, to engage in conversation with H3H3. If Ethan Klein wants to engage in a political debate, which misinforms and co- could cause harm, I believe it is appropriate for anybody of any political side to say, I would like to clarify that and present, you know, what I believe to be true and correct information. So Crowder has a right to do that. If, if I was going to do a debate and Sam Cedar popped in, I would do the exact same thing. I'd probably give him a few minutes and then I would make it very clear. Sam, you are a duplicitous lying coward, and I will not give you the time of day. Vosh, I will have on this show whenever he wants, because for all the disagreements we have, for all of the video clips that came out saying Tim Pool's an idiot and got owned by Vosh, I enjoyed the conversation. I felt that Vosh was actually arguing, though I think he was wrong. Same thing is true with Destiny. In fact, I got to say, of all personalities, Destiny came across as the most well thought out and honest leftist we've had on the show. It was an excellent conversation. He made great points, made me think quite a bit. And even before the show, we talked and I thought, I was like, I, I, mad respect. He's like, he legitimately believes what he believes and he's researched this. And I absolutely respect that. I think he's just a bit more authoritarian than I am. And that's fine. I mean, so long as they don't get too authoritarian, otherwise, you know, fighting breaks out. But here's what Phil Labonte points out. He says, you'd think that with TYT money and marketing, Sam would get more views. No wonder he gets H3H3 tagging. And then he shows from the majority report that Sam Cedar typically barely breaks six digits. He gets 7,000, 8,000, 5,000 views. One of them, how, how, MAGA heads turn into, how to turn MAGA heads into socialists, got 16,000. But his views are really, really low. He does his main show and then he splits things up. I'm not here to drag the guy for having low views. A lot of channels have low views and a lot of people are trying to grow. The thing is, Sam Cedar's been doing this for a long time. Like I mentioned, he was the first person to ever shout me out. I think what's happening with Sam is that he knows he's not a top level personality. He's plateaued. There are many people like him. And again, I mean, no disrespect. People reach the point they can reach. It's, it is what it is. 
But this is his desperate attempt to try and generate traffic. This is what he's trying to do to get attention. You can see that Crowder is trending over this. This is why Sam Cedar should not be brought into these conversations and why he does the left harm. Again, I'll say it. Vosh, big lefty YouTube personality, have him on every debate. I enjoyed the conversation. We debated. A lot of people didn't like him. A lot of people don't like me. But we had a real con. We had, we had, a, we had a debate. It was great. I screwed up quite a bit. I succeeded quite a bit. And the same is true for Destiny. I enjoyed those conversations. Sam Cedar manipulated me to try and get internet points because he is a drama, political drama grifter, and that's his game. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you the, uh, uh, I'll show you some private DMs. Back in October of 2020, I put out a tweet saying, uh, basically, you know, I've invited on several prominent leftists. They canceled last minute or outright refused to come on the show. We'd love to have them. Long story short. Well, Sam Cedar quote tweeted me. I said, someone, someone tweeted me saying, you're lying. Why won't you debate Sam Cedar? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, we had 110 million views in the past 30 days. This was, this was uh, September. If they were interested in an easy win, I think they'd take it. Seems like they're actually scared. I genuinely mean that. I'm not trying to go to anybody. I genuinely mean that. I have invited, say, uh, I've invited a lot of people to come on the show. They won't do it. One of the, you know what? I, I think we'll get a little spicy this time around. Uh, I've invited Shu on head more than once. People keep, keep, keep asking why I won't have her on. Well, she won't come on. Maybe she's scared. I like Shu on head. She's funny. But there are a lot of people who just cannot stand to stand up to scrutiny. Why? Do you think I'm scared of being wrong or being challenged? Absolutely not. Come to my house, prove me wrong, and I'll say, okay. Michael Malice came to my house. I was defending cops. Michael Malice said, here's my argument. I said, Michael, that's a really good argument. I agree. Changed my mind. People started tweeting at Michael saying, good job changing Tim's mind. Yes, because you give me a good argument and logic. I'll calculate it and I'll accept it. That's true for Vosh. That's true for Destiny. That's true for any leftist who wants to come on. So at the time, I said, I get all these views and they won't come on. It's, a, it's regardless of whether or not they look good or bad. It's this big audience, right? Or maybe it's that they would sit here, have no way to answer certain very serious questions, and they would look bad and they don't want to do that. Well, Sam Cedar said to me, invitation accepted. How's Monday at 6 p.m.? Well, the conversation I was having was about in-person studio, right? Take a look at my Instagram where I show the studio we built. I did not build a Skype studio. Ian, Lydia, and Luke aren't going to be looking at a screen and debating Sam Cedar. I don't do a debate show. But these people, these grifters, it's all they do. It's all they know. So of course, my response, we are booked Monday. The show is live 8 p.m. in studio. We can cover all travel and accommodation. 13th is open. Next opening is the week following. Sam Cedar says, I can do the 13th. I said, awesome. Hey, look, I got no beef with Sam. He's the first person to ever shout me out. He accepts the invitation. It would be amazing. I've done an online discussion with him before on the Tim Pool channel. This was in a different house with a different setup. And I don't do these, these, these Skypes an anymore. I'm building a company and we've set up an in-person studio for real discussions because I don't think anything is served. When I did my Skype conversation slash debate with David Pakman, we engaged in so much semantic arguing. I thought this is not solving things. We need in-person conversations where we're going through things, being honest and fair. And I will tell you this, I will always steal Steel man, my opponents. Do you know what that means? Straw man is when you take the weakest version of the opponent, you knock them down. Steel man is when you make the strongest version of your opponent and knock them down, proving you're right. Which is why when I have now invited Vosh to come back, and you can see it publicly on Twitter, I've even said to him, choose if you want to pick anybody you want to come with you, 
by all means, let me know. And he said, don't worry about it because I don't want to ambush anybody. But I do want to have other personalities in for a larger conversation to break down these ideas. Sam Cedar saw what I said. We can cover travel and accommodation. It's in studio. And he responds. And all of his lefty fans are hooting and hollering and cheering and all that stuff. Here's what he said to me privately. So what's the details? I said, I can have Lydia arrange everything for you. Show is 8 p.m. live in studio, D.C. area. We can fly you out and get you to a, a motel nearby. We hang out for two hours and talk about current events. I can do a group chat to connect you. If you want, you can just send me your email. We can set it up. He responded, I can't fly down to D.C. I do a daily three-hour show. You don't do any remotes? We set up the show back in January. This is for me. In person only. We don't have a way to connect everyone to a Skype call or to display it. We've rejected some centrist and right-wing people for the same thing, so I take no issue if it can't be done. We can try to find a time when you're free to travel, but I get it. It's one of the challenges of getting guests. You and Hassan, Hassan Piker, host your own content, so it's probably harder for you, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. I have rejected Lauren Southern, and I have rejected Andy No, because they reached out and said, would you do a remote? I said, we can't do it. It just doesn't work. Now, of course, I've appeared on Ben Shapiro's show in this room with this camera, because what I did was I recorded myself, took the memory card, literally drove it 70 or no, 300 miles. <laughs> I think it's 300. No, 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 no. It's not 300. It's like 180, 180 miles and then uploaded it. We have better Internet nowadays. And I've also done Megyn Kelly just by phone call. Those are other people's shows. And it was not that hard for me to sit here and just turn the camera and talk to someone over the phone for their show. I don't do that. If they want to have me on their show. I'll consider it. We'll see what, what makes sense. And to be completely honest, Ben Shapiro and Megyn Kelly are huge shows and great opportunities for me to expand my business. There's very obvious reasons we would do something like that. As for going on, say, Sam Cedar or any of these other podcasts, I absolutely weigh my scheduling on whether or not it is going to be beneficial for everyone or for me in the long run and my business. For the most part, I've rejected almost every single uh, offer. I have Fox News regularly messaging me, and I only go, I've only gone on a few times in the past couple of months, and I tell them no very, very often. My business and growing it and building culture is more important. Sam Cedar responded, COVID hasn't affected you bringing people into studio? No, no one. We actually stopped guests for a while over it. Rogan never did. Then we started up in the past month or so. He said Trump never did either. I guess you roll the dice and hope you don't pull a seven. Maybe if I have a day off. That's what Sam said. He said, I can't fly down. I do a show. Maybe if you have a day off. I took it at face value and I respected him and said, I understand it may be hard. You can see the DMs. They are on Twitter. I posted them. What did Sam Cedar say? It was a grift to manipulate me to go to all of his lefty morons and be like, look how scared Tim Pool is. When I was nice to him and said, please come on my show and we'll pay for it. And I understand if you can't because you host your own show, we would love to find time. I said the same thing to Hassan. Hassan didn't go and drag me over it and try to turn it into some stupid drama garbage like Sam Cedar, the liar and the coward who then tweeted, full disclosure, I am one of those people who upon finding out I was required to fly to the D.C. area and go into an enclosed, presumably airtight studio with maskless folks talking for several hours during a second wave of the pandemic, had to take a rain check on the invite. He said if he had a day off, he would come. He said that he couldn't do it because he hosts his own show. He did mention COVID, to be fair. But then he turns it into this tweet where he's coming after me, implying we were unsafe 
when we followed every COVID guideline, we have hand sanitizer everywhere, and we were allowed to do the show as per normal guidelines. The room is extremely well ventilated. You can probably hear the fans. But Sam thought it'd be good to lie, to make things up, because he never wanted to come here in the first place. And even after he knew it was in studio, and the 13th is open, and we will pay for everything, and he agreed to do it, it was all just a big con. Sam Cedar is a lying coward. And that's why people like Steven Crowder should not debate him. And that's why Steven was right from cu- for cutting him off and saying no. And Ethan Klein is, is damaging everything, making it all worse because his interest is personal gain for his pop culture crap. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So he would rather watch people suffer if it gives him a few extra bucks. That's Ethan Klein. You know, it's fine, Ethan. Do your pop culture comedy stuff. It's funny stuff. I got no issue with that. But don't come into this space where people are trying to have very serious conversations about how people live and how people might die if we don't solve certain problems and then set it on fire and kick the can down the road or just make everything worse. You bring in a con, a con man like Sam Cedar, whose whole business is just burning things down for personal gain, and I'm going to get pissed off about it. Now you got me talking about drama, which I don't care for in the first place. I said, his only issue was not having a day off. You, sh- you want to use COVID as an excuse? I don't care. Hassan said he was worried about COVID, and I respect that. But don't effing play stupid games. In our private DMs, Hassan just said, hey, I'd love to do it, but I am concerned about COVID. And I said, totally respect that. No problem. He's like, sorry. I was like, let me know if you're ever down to come down to the studio. That was it. Hassan was nice about it. And I was like, cool. I I dislike that Hassan also publicly accepted the invite and then immediately was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. But I think it's fair to say that Hassan probably didn't realize it was going to be in person. You mean to tell me that when I said we would pay for the travel costs to come in studio and Sam said I can do it, that he didn't read my tweet? This is why Sam is blacklisted from so many podcasts, podcasts. This is why so many high level personalities say they will not debate Sam Cedar. And after everything I've, all the flack I've gotten, every single video that's put, been putting up from, uh, from Vosh's fans insulting me and dragging me, I respect and accept all of it. I watched a clip where Vosh asked me about critical race theory and I couldn't give him a good academic response. I, I looked at that video and I said, I screwed that one up. I should have done better. And then I tweeted at Vosh, would you like to come back on the show? And he said, yes. Wonderful. I disagree with Vosh. Love to have him on for a debate discussion or otherwise. Uh, However, I don't want to do a repeat. I don't want to just redo the same thing and be like, I deserve a second chance to redeem myself. No, I I think it would be good to have someone like Vosh with a libertarian personality, for instance, not a conservative and have a bigger political discussion around ideas we normally don't interact with. So Vosh is a lefty personality. It'd be interesting to have him sit down with someone who talks about crypto. We might find a lot of things we agree on or don't agree on. But I'll tell you this, Sam Cedar's off the list. This guy is a manipulative, lying con man. Uh, that, that's why Crowder doesn't want to do anything, have anything to do with him. That's why all the people Crowder mentioned don't want to have anything to do with him. And that's why Sam Cedar makes all these videos and he focuses on drama. I mean, the man's obsession with Dave Rubin is laughable. It's absolutely laughable. I hate saying his name because it gives him attention. The dude's gained around 30,000 or so subscribers after Ethan propped him up. So congratulations, Ethan, on just not caring about the world and being a self-interested you know, whatever. I hope all the racial slurs you've spotted on your show were worth it in building up your following. And then you just play the games that you play. Whatever, man. 
Uh, look, I'll, I'll put it this way. I got I got no issue with Ethan. I think he does fairly, you know, pretty good content and he's done, done it for a long time. So I can respect that. I'm just frustrated. So I'll, I'll apologize for going over the top on Ethan. But I'm just frustrated because we try so hard to address these problems and solve these issues. And we don't all agree. I don't agree with many on the left. Many on the left don't agree with me. I don't agree with everyone on the right. Many on the right don't agree with me. I'm a rather centrist person, but many of the leftists don't recognize that because they think I'm a conservative. Then the conservatives call me a leftist. Hey, maybe I'm, the, I'm just a centrist, right? But I can respect these conversations as we try to navigate this area and build, lay, lay the, the building blocks of the future so that we can at least try and work together and survive. When Ethan steps in and just throws a, a flaming tur- a bag, a turd, you know, a flaming turd bag in the middle of the room, I'm sorry, I'm going to get pissed off about that. Sam does not deserve anybody's attention. And it's a shame that I have to, I have to say his name and give him attention. So what? So you, so you know what? If you like the guy, go ahead and follow him. Whatever. If you want to follow him, then there you go. He deserves it. But I think anybody who's engaged in rational political conversation should ignore this man. And I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.